Welcome to My Vagina. This is Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current <laughs> historical, hysterical, and infuriating conversation of our lives about, oh, wow, about our lives as vagina having <laughs> organisms. My God. <laughs> Somebody's on cold medicine. So much cold medicine. Um, okay. So uh, you're not on cold medicine and you did not I do did the other <laughs> That's because I'm so excited about our episode. Okay. Uh, all content made up on the spot, but probably research. Just kidding, fools. It's definitely research. We are so on our game today. Um, before we get started, don't forget to donate to us at glow.fm slash welcome to my vagina so we can keep bringing you some of this high quality content <laughs> hot content that's right we're gonna talk about killers today yeah so today i'm very excited we're gonna talk about serial killers and then our topic is specifically lady killers throughout history before that we're gonna talk about why the fuck are people so obsessed with serial killers yeah particularly what I came across was why women seem to fantasize about murderers. Yeah, and like send them letters in prison and stuff like that. Yeah. Like lots of letters. Lots of them. And I, especially like there's been an outpouring of Netflix series. Yeah. Um, and shows like you where like a Twitter storm kicked off about how sexy people think Penn Badgley's character is, not Penn Badgley himself. Right, right. And he's a person who literally stalks and yeah. kills women. And I just found myself being like, how do you find that sexy? Why... Do we forgive this person for the things that he does because we're listening to his narrative? And I've, I I kind of came to the conclusion that I was just worried. Okay. Which means that I'm literally turning into my mother. <laughs> <laughs> because instead of just being like, I'm worried about you, I'm like, I'm angry that you could put yourself in a position to be harmed by this person. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty, pretty irresponsible. One thing that I learned was that even though we have this general idea that serial killers are all white men, mm -hmm. it's actually not true. No. The racial breakdown of serial killers is actually reflective of the general population. Mm -hmm. So Radford University created a serial killer database and 46% of serial killers since 1910 have been white men. But white men tend to become cultural legends because people tend to kill within their own racial groups by and large. Mm -hmm. And because we are a very racist society, these sorts of crimes, white like white men committing crimes against white people, but specifically white women, just ends up becoming a huge story. Mm -hmm. And so these white men reach these like infamy essentially for what they've done. But it's just because there's more funding for police in white neighborhoods a lot of times. They don't put resources into finding missing black and brown women. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, other serial killers might go missing or like white people who kill black and brown women. Yeah. And and that's honestly like Penn Badgley as an actor has been speaking about out about how frightening it's been that people romanticize his murderous character. And he like weighed in on a lot of fan responses, kind of pointing out the problems and the troubles with it. And did actually say that the show has become such a social commentary on how much we're willing to be patient and forgive someone who inhabits a body that looks something like his. Like right. his color, his skin, his gender, yep. and these sorts of privileges. And like how much easier he is to forgive than say probably a person of color. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he like, you know, he fits all the boxes and and he's charming. And like Ted Bundy was apparently charming to some 
women you know and, yeah and, and also it's also pretty privilege it's like yeah ted bundy was apparently an attractive man and like how much did he get away with because he was a good-looking person right and how much more did women trust him and go alone places with him yep. because they thought that he wouldn't do anything to them yep so as i was looking up why people are attracted to fucking serial killers i found the term hybristophilia is that like a sexual attraction to serial killers? Yeah, it's a type of paraphilia in which a person gets sexually aroused over someone else committing an offensive or violent act. Wow, um, how common is that? So anybody who's like sending mail is not necessarily under this category because they're still in a safe spot. Right. This is somebody who actually like wants to know and wants to see. So it would be like somebody who would like marry. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And want to know details and... And like some of the reasons explained by somebody who would want to be, who would want this would be either be people who want to be close to the notoriety of it. They also get a sense that they're a special person that this person wouldn't harm them. So there's like a bit of narcissism there. Oh, yeah. But primarily the idea is that they want to get close to a violent person so that they can either participate in a fantasy life that involves them or actually become partners with them. Wow. It was also noted by Dr. Louis Schlesinger. 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 Um, (laughs) That a a lot of people who do send letters or marry people who are in jail, it's like one of those things that he can't cheat on you because he's in there or, you know, at least I know where he is kind of situation. But it was interesting. So this other Dr. Eisenberg noted that she interviewed more than three dozen women for women uh, who love men who kill. And every single one of them had suffered some form of abuse in their lives. When a man behind bars can't hurt you. Right. Um, not not physically. Not physically. Um, I was listening to yeah, exactly. uh, Terrible Thanks for Asking, and she did a couple of episodes about uh, childhood trauma and how um, rather than saying, like, what is wrong with you, we should be asking what happened to you. Yes. So, oh, my God. It's a really interesting thing. Um, and not to spin this. Yeah, spin it. But I'm going to spin, spin it. Spin it. I'm going to spin it like spin a top. Spin this right round, baby. Right round. <laughs> So it was also interesting to me and, you know, I'm hopefully interesting to you guys because we're about to talk about it. But mm-hmm. all of these instances generally involve women being attracted to men. And what I found interesting is how it's almost never the other way around. It's never like men fawning after women killers or violent women. And I was also interested. This is a weird hmm. thing to say, but I remember thinking I-, I remember thinking as I was reading the book Lady Killers by uh, Tori Telfer, how interesting it is, is I didn't know about any of these fucking women. There's a thousand fucking serial killer things on Netflix and not as and all of these stories were fascinating. Yeah. And by fascinating, I don't mean like we should be glamorizing any of them necessarily, but like how did these get left out? Yeah. I mean, so uh, and since men don't aren't attracted because they're afraid of this shit. Because they're afraid of it. Because since 1910, 9%, so 9% of serial killers since 1910 have been women. And in the United States, uh, since 1910, there have been 2,600 serial killers, which means, if my math is correct, which it is because I'm using a calculator, 234 of those have been women. There have been 234 so serial many. killers since in the past like century plus. That's crazy. Yeah. And we don't know about any of them. So let's meet a couple. I have to pee. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. Someone! Squealer. I'm going to kill you nicely. Hmm? First. But then I'm going to make a mess of your body afterwards. So it looks worse than it is. Just so you know. Okay? Okay. So 
I assume we're going to start with Ursabet Bathory. Yeah. We talked about her on Virginity is a Myth because oh, yeah. that she bathed in women's blood. However, I read that that didn't happen because it's a rumor because blood coagulates. Well, not only does blood coagulate, but also so the main rumor is that she used to kill virgin peasants and then the and then bathe in their blood to preserve her youth. The story goes that when a servant girl ruined some aspect of Elizabeth's toilet, she slapped the girl so hard that blood spattered across her noble face. And when she washed the blood off, she noticed that her skin was younger and that she became maniacal about soaking in tubs of virginal blood. Unfortunately, this is almost certainly not true because none of the servants who testified against her, and there was a lot, mentioned anything about these baths. In in fact, what they do mention is that so much blood was spilled during torture sessions that you could have scooped it off the floor, meaning she didn't seem too concerned with saving much less bathing in it. Wow. So some of the things that... um that I learned about her was that her nickname was the Blood Countess. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has been, uh, there have been between 30 and 650 deaths attributed to her. Mm-hmm. And that she was used as one of the main inspirations for Dracula. Yes. Um, apparently, she cast a magic, this is like a fun thing that I think. Uh, she cast a magic spell to summon a cloud full of 90 cats to torment her enemies. <laughs> fucking fantastic (laughs) and then on the less funny end she stuffed the corpses of five servants underneath her bed and continued to feed them as if they were still alive Mm -hmm. so i read this article though this woman she has a blog called rejected princesses Mm -hmm. and so she talks about you know different like serial killers and all kinds of different stuff she thinks that that bathory was actually framed yeah, I mean, a lot of people suggest that, but I don't know. There's some pretty damning evidence, and she had her own, like, like torture squad. Well, she definitely tortured people. She definitely tortured a fuck ton of people. And um, she was obviously not a good person. What she thinks was that because she had so much money, she was going to, like, get together with her cousin, Gabor. They both had, like, a ton of money. But this guy, George Thurzo was like, I don't want those two to partner up. And so he decided to take Ursabet down. And so he was known as a schemer and for backstabbing. So while it is very possible that she did a lot of these things, he might have actually made it seem worse than it was by framing her for stuff. Uh, That's oh, I do know is. George Thurzo. So George Thurzo was actually uh, Nas Disease's uh, best friend. But it was apparently when uh, Nas Disease died, he was put in charge of... Um, protecting Bathory, but he became the king's right-hand man. So he, at some point, actually had to, he had to open an investigation under her. But because of his friendship to Nasdaqi, he kept it a secret, which is why it never went to like public trial. Uh-huh. And that between like Thurzo and her children, they tried to like keep it under wraps, and that's why she didn't get executed. She just got thrown into the dungeons. Yeah, she was like died in her own castle. Yeah. So what this person said, and I actually like, I don't know, it stuck with me just because of the way that women are treated in general. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, because she never got to speak in her defense and family records were destroyed, there's very little to go on in determining like what kind of person she actually was, but Mm -hmm. it seems like she was a garbage person. But this person said, even if she did commit such acts, which is possible, although she doesn't think it was quite near the scale of the accusations, she said, ask yourself what is more likely, an incredibly outlandish list of violence perpetrated by a cadre of old women over decades or an orchestrated persecution against a powerful, harsh, and independent woman in the age of actual witch witch hunts. So it's, I mean, I bet that she did some of this, but I wonder how much it actually was. I totally get that. And I totally believe that in certain lots of ways about women. For me, though, like, 
and and this this woman does actually suggest that like a lot of things got blown out of proportion, which yeah. is why the rumor came to be about in the first place. And it's also easy to see why the bloodbath rumor persisted because it's creepy. And it, I mean, we freaked out about that. We're like, uh, wow. But that's the thing is yeah. like, and it also, but what it also does is it solves the distressing idea of a murderer who kills just because she's a killer, right? Um, and yeah. like, and vanity is a much more palatable explanation for her crimes and the fact that she might have just literally been a cold-blooded killer yeah um yeah it doesn't like that fits more in with our understanding of what a woman is totally i agree with that like a lot of the times the way women are treated like is there's so many things orchestrated against us but also there's potential for women to also be cold-blooded killers yeah it's it's interesting how we talk about men being hunters and women being like prey or something like that when in actuality i feel like women can also be Equality all around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it was interesting to like read about her childhood a little bit because she grew up in um, powerful clans in Central Europe. And one of the things that I found really interesting is that legend has it that she witnessed a lot of terrible things. Obviously, it was the Middle Ages. It's a fucking terrible time. Yeah. But she witnessed a man being sewn into a stomach of a horse for theft. And she was reported to have cackled at the sight of it. So, ugh. and also like in those days, obviously it's super acceptable. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. So like she sounds like she also like grew up as a fucking straight up sociopath. But who wouldn't have been a sociopath back then? That's what I mean, though, is like what you were saying earlier is like, what happened to you? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. so, then she also wound up marrying Nasdaqy, who was the Black Knight, who was also known he was like named that because he was known for his torturing so like he found all the newest like turkish ways to torture and when he came home from war from the ottoman empire he would teach her new ways to torture her own servants so like she had a lot she had like thousands of servants so many she was also taking care of all of their land because he was away at war right which is also why they were so rich i thought he died in war he did die in war okay but for like Almost a decade, I think, while he was fighting, he would send back the treasures. And so one of the reasons that she, her and her and her husband were so invincible was because he got so much treasure that at some point they started lending money to the king. Wow. And so bathed in blood. Bathed in blood. God. And then Nastasi would taught her this thing called star kicking where they would roll up oiled paper and then stick it in between their toes and set it on fire and watch them kick. Ugh. Yeah, dude. There's some brutal shit. Yeah, there was like a list of stuff and I got part of the way through the list and I was like, mm, I'm good. It's not necessary. I'm they good on this. Fucked up. But so I guess like she also had her her household woman, Anna Darvolia, who was also like a lunatic. Did you read about her? Uh-uh. She was her like right hand person and was also a little bit sociopathic and they yeah. kind of like tortured together. They all had their favorite things about like what they liked to do. But it was said that if Nastasia taught her to torture, Darvolia taught her to kill. And so she's very impressionable. I don't know. It's interesting hearing the trials because everyone had like very similar things. And also like the townspeople started to become really afraid of her and stop sending their girls to her because they, were they never all came fucking back dying. Yeah. And so and she literally started running out of servants and then her husband died. And I guess she kind of went a little loopy. Yeah. And then her best friend died. And then she went even more crazy. And she had this other person who was apparently a forest witch. Uh-huh. Who like worked in herbals, and then she she started this thing called the gynoceum. I think you read this last time okay. where she that's when she she created a school 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it was to teach it was to teach young ladies like posture and etiquette because she was viewed as this like smart. She's smart and beautiful and polite and presented herself well. And so, yeah, people from other villages would send their daughters. Well, it's because she made up this fucking school. Right. Because she wanted more girls to torture. And then she killed all of them. And when the parents started writing letters... She wrote them back and said that one girl had gone crazy, killed all of them and killed herself. And so people started becoming suspicious. And right. then it went up to the king and he was like, OK, now I have to like, now I have to do something about this. Investigate this girl. That's so crazy. So, yeah. Wow. She also ra- started running out of money. But killing's expensive. Who knows? We'll never know. It was back in the 16th century. But yeah, she died in uh, 1614 in her own cell in the chamber. She uh Tortured people. Yeah. Somebody killed them because. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she definitely, from what I read, it seemed a lot of it that like she didn't necessarily like set out to kill them, but she didn't set out to not kill them. Mm -hmm. She like tortured them. And this was before penicillin. And so any infections, she didn't obviously help them from their injuries. So she would like, you know, bake a cake and force them to eat like a scalding hot cake. Yeah. And shit like that. And a lot of people died because they became infected from these things. So they might have died as a result of. Yeah. She also used to play mind games, apparently. Like, so say if you messed up a stitch, she would like put a pin in the in your finger and then she would be like, if it hurts you, you can take it out. And as soon as you did, she would chop off your finger. (gasps) Yeah. But it was noted that that was a good day for servants. Wow. Yeah. Bitch be crazy. That is really something. Yeah. We're going to take a brief break for our sponsors today. This episode of Welcome to My Vagina is sponsored by Best Fiends. Trying to relax during these trying times? Need a mental palate cleanser? Want a go-to refresher? Try the mobile puzzle game Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a five-star rated mobile puzzle game on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And you can download it for free. While Best Fiends has challenging puzzles that I love, it's a casual game anyone can play, but it's made for adults. It's a great way to kill time without getting lost scrolling through TikTok until you hate yourself. It's a unique, exciting puzzle experience unlike any other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends updates the game monthly so you always have something new to look forward to. And you don't need Wi-Fi so you can travel with it. I just advanced to level 60 and I've only been playing for a few weeks. Isn't that so exciting? Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. And we're back. Um, well, I guess the one thing I wanted to say, so Julia Tafana, who died in 1659, she created a poison that was laced with arsenic, lead, and belladonna, um, and it was called aqua Tafana. And essentially, so the poison was super, super slow acting. And so the death would resemble something that was like from a progressed disease or natural causes because you would have to give a victim four different doses to ultimately kill them. Mm-hmm. So so women would give this aqua Tafana to their husbands in their soup. Yeah for a few different nights. So she designed this because she was sympathetic to the low status of women and she wanted to help them. And so she sold this aqua tafana to women trapped in difficult marriages. So I was like thinking to myself, she does a better job protecting against domestic violence than we probably do (laughs) right now. (laughs) Cause like, (laughs) cause like we think of, (laughs) 
because we think about like it's bad enough now but imagine like before gender roles were changed before all these different things like how much domestic violence must have been back then and so women would come to her and she would sell them this stuff and they would kill their husbands who were abusing them or cheating on them or like whatever was happening she ultimately so she was responsible I think for the deaths of like 600 men in Rome alone Mm -hmm. she sold this in Rome and Naples but she was eventually sold out by a customer because so what she would do is she would she would sell this people knew what they were buying but it looked like a perfume right um so she so people knew what they were buying and and it wasn't in their interest to sell her out because they'd killed their husband so they're implicated in the crime yeah so she basically would only sell it to people would take recommendations you know like through word of mouth so like you know i killed my husband and then I see that your husband's throwing you around. So I'm like, hey, Jesse, I know this lady if you need help with that. So then I would I'd be able to tell Julia, you know, Yo, my friend Jesse. Like goddamn that's, fucking, you know, I don't, I don't even I'm not even mad. I'm not either. Honestly, not even mad. She so, sounds like a fucking legend. Yeah. So ultimately, one woman after like decades of this, one woman got cold feet and um and had put it in the soup and served it to her husband and then was like oh actually don't eat that don't eat that and she took it back and the husband got suspicious and forced her to tell her who knows what means he used so she then said that yep so then she said that she had poisoned his soup so they went to the papal authorities and told the papal authorities what was going on i'm going to say that word as much as possible (laughs) and then the papal authorities (laughs) um went after julia tafana but but Ugh. because she was so popular, because she'd helped so many women, she was actually able for a time to hide. They like wow. she went and hid in a church, um, and she was protected. But then ultimately, there were so many complaints that came in that they ended up storming the church, and she was ultimately executed. Holy shit! Shit, cray. That's so crazy. Yeah. So she died in 1659, but she was pretty rad. Damn. Wow. Yeah. So if you find Aqua Tafana in the store. Proceed with caution. <laughs> uh, so I, and I really love the way that this woman writes. So a lot of the women serial killers have a tendency to poison. Like most of them have used arsenic. It's usually been against men. But for me, one of the most interesting serial killers was Lizzie Halliday. Uh-huh. Because the way that they forced her image was that they kind of called her this lunatic, feral, yet like disgusting human, which to me was like, and and the way that they kind of allowed other women, like the giggling granny who was a poisoner, Uh um, but she dressed well and she could cook and she was a proper housewife. And the way that our society was kind of more willing to forgive her because, you know, she was just somebody who was like looking for love. She killed uh-huh. four out of five of her husbands. Uh-huh. And oh, the giggling granny. The giggling granny. So she like kind of got this, the, the the perception around her was that she was just like this heartbroken woman who killed. Yeah. I mean, that's even like a cute nickname. Exactly. The giggling granny. Because because she also relied a lot on sexism and ageism. Because right. everyone saw this woman who, and, and a lot of housewives loved her because they're stuck in this box of what they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. And here's this woman who's wearing pearls. She's like nicely done up. Her hair's always curled. Um, she cooks. She's like funny. Mm-hmm. And she killed four out of five of her husbands because, uh, you know, from, according to her, they beat her or they weren't pleasing her or whatever. Yeah. So I found this woman, Lizzie Halliday, really interesting because what I think people hated about her and the perception was because she killed like a man. Yeah. She killed brutally. Yeah. Because that that's one of the things that I was reading about 
female serial killers tend to kill in a less gory fashion. Exactly. Part of the reason that a lot of male serial killers get covered in the media, specifically like modern day, is because our society is so incredibly violent. I mean, what did I say before? 2,600 serial killers in the USA since 1900 in England. The next highest number has 142. Damn. So like... In order to get through all of that, there have to, the story has to be more interesting. You know, there's got to be gore. like gore or rape or uh, who is that guy that used to position? There were a couple of books about about him. They never found him. Used to position the woman with the red lipstick. Oh, oh, oh! He's uh the the bondage guy. Oh, torture, bondage, kill. Yes, yes, um, yeah. So like. Yeah, so like these sorts of things, they cre- they're like larger than life and they mm-hmm. create this like this whole allure, you right. know, but like with women, but like it's so, I don't know, it's like on the one hand, it's like, you know, it's less gory and it seems to be at least some of the stories that I read like like purposeful, like with mm-hmm. Julia Tafana. Yeah. But there's also like something to be said about like a woman who's powerful enough to overtake a man and kill him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, there's that. It's all uh this is not the probably not the point you're making, but it made me think of like how uh, a couple of the people that I read about, they were like, had she not lived under the constraints of what her society was, would she have just become a CEO instead of like a natural born killer? Oh my god. <laughs> I was like that's so genius. That's really interesting actually. Yeah. But to what you were saying too is that I found what this uh woman Tori was writing about was that throughout history, a lot of people have said that Poison is a coward's weapon because in a lot of ways, people think that like it's a very male way of suggesting to kill somebody in terms of like you have to look them in the eye or like you stab them in the heart. It always has to be bloody or like harsh. When in reality, if you think about it, it's unfair to suggest that because poisoning people requires advanced planning and the stomach to watch your victim literally deteriorate in front of you and struggle. Yeah. That and like and day after day, like that's a long, prolonged thing. And if it's arsenic, they're like constantly thirsty. So you're caretaking for this person you're actually poisoning for. Yeah, it's actually really sadistic. Yeah, it's really fucked. Just this made me think of uh, there was that command that was attributed to William Prescott in the Battle of Bunker Hill in the Revolutionary War, which was "Don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes." Yeah, I don't know. Just like a, it's like one of those really chilling things about picking out the person that you're gonna kill. Yeah, and like you're you're like close enough right to see to see the, the whites of the their whites eyes. of their eyes Woof. <sighs> anyway yeah so lizzie halliday was a woman in the 1800s at the tail end of it she was uh doing a stay in the pennsylvania eastern penitentiary for arson and when she got out she found this guy paul holiday halliday who was looking for work and so he hired her in new york city and eventually realized that it was cheaper to just marry her dime a dozen so he did and she progressively got oh so at the end of her penitentiary stay she actually wound up being transferred to a mental facility because she started to become unhinged then she was released like two months later so the mental issue in our society is still happening where they just look (laughs) yeah right (laughs) go forth and kill lizzie apparently he had a handicapped son and within a month of her staying there she burned down the barn and then another building. And then one day when he was out, he came home and his whole house was burned down to the ground. And guess who was locked in his room? Oh, no. So. That's terrible. But Halliday stayed with her for like ever. Um, Did he just not what happened. believe that she killed him? 
unclear. Do your research, man. She went to jail for arson. Your (laughs) shit keeps burning down. I don't know if he knew that. This was before Google. It was before Google. But also she burnt down several of his things. So at some point you have to realize that it's not a mistake. Yeah. At Um, some point you have to be like, okay, okay. my neighbor's shit's not burning down. There's got to be something going on here. Blinded by love. Eventually Halliday goes up missing. And, and the reason she got caught was because she went down the street and asked somebody if they were hiring, gave a fake name, a fake address. And the woman wound up going and everyone was like, no, you should bring somebody. She seems like a little strange. Yeah. Um, and so then she never came back. The woman. The woman never came back. So uh, Liz- but Lizzie Halliday went and was like, your mom wants you like she's sick. She fell like she's she's not. She's not feeling well and she like wants you and like the husband tried to go, but she wouldn't. She was like, no, no, no. She asked specifically for the daughter. So the daughter goes, never comes back. And when the guy gets nervous and goes looking, he finds that it was a wrong address. He goes and tries to go to the cops. Um, They can't find her. But then at the same point in time, Halliday's son starts to get his other son. (laughs) Uh Didn't die. Okay. Starts to get really nervous. And send somebody to go the, over there and look. Because the father's missing. The so father's now the missing. father's missing. The, yeah. the son the is women. dead. And the two women from the town are missing. Right. And what they find is they come to her house and they see blood on the wall. And they're, they're notice, they notice a stench. And it turns out Paul Halliday was under the floorboards. And the two women were shot in the stomach in the wow. barn. For funsies. For funsies. I don't know. How many people did she kill altogether? Was so more turned, than just those? honestly, one more. So, but it was much later. So like she goes to trial and they try to prove that. And this is where the feral thing comes up is they try to prove that the blood on the floor and the walls was because she was just menstruating all over the place. <gasps> Woo! Woo! <laughs> blood everywhere. Free bleeding. So like they kind of try to prove her as insane and then some people say that she's not insane because she only does it when people are around like she starts screaming she's like tries to tear out her hair and so they at the trial she's considered guilty and then they try to put the death penalty on her and then everyone freaks out because it's a woman and the Uh death penalty isn't really used on women Uh and so or hasn't been at the time so they take her back to court and prove that she's insane and she goes to a mental facility she attacks one more person with another girl because they think that she's got something against them and that they're, she's trying to get them kicked out. Uh-huh. And then she chills out for a while because they kind of give her an ultimatum. She's she, laying low. She's laying low for like years, like decades. Uh-huh. And then this one woman she comes really close with, somebody who works at the asylum who wants to become a nurse. Uh-huh. It's this like young 22-year-old girl. And the girl's like, I have to leave for school. And Lizzie's like, you can't leave me. And then starts getting more and more aggressive and is like, I'll kill you. And she doesn't take her seriously because she hasn't killed in like 20 something years. It's like riding a bike. Ugh, I guess so. You never forget how to kill. You never forget how to kill. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, so she like, kills her. She takes a scissor knife because at, ah! at that point she had been given more freedom. So yeah. she was allowed to have tools to sew. She was lying in wait. And she locked her in the bathroom and stabbed her like, I don't know, like 200 times or something insane. Girls got rage. But... Yeah, I just found her interesting in the way that she killed less than most of the ones that I read about. Because, but because she killed with such brutal force, like a, a man, she was considered brutal when all the other ones got away with being demure or just like scorned by past lovers. Wow. So. Well, did you read about Juana Barasa? Mm-mm. All right. So Juana Barasa became known as La Mata Viejitas, which is the old lady killer, wow. because she killed 11 elderly women. 
but Whoa. probably probably more. So she was a professional wrestler. She had oh, a. Tr- I saw this girl. Yeah, she tr- she had a troubled childhood, an alcoholic mother who let a man rape her in exchange for beer. Well, so her deep resentment toward her mother resulted in the brutal murders of solitary old women, who so she would rob them and then kill them. Um, she would bludgeon or strangle them. Uh, and police, the police report said that there was evidence that the victims had been abused before their deaths in some of the cases. Wow. She, I think she might still be alive. Damn. Wait, let's see. Oh, I she's think she in is. A, she's in a Mexican prison. It's saying that she killed 42 to 48 victims. Mm-hmm. The first murder attributed to her was dated to the late 1990s and to a specific killing on the on November 17th, 2003. So the the range of deaths is anywhere from 24 to 49. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She killed a lot of people. Woo. Yeah. They're like all 60 or over living alone. We did choose all the brutal killers. Yeah. This one's. <laughs> most of the people, most of the women I read about poisoned. Well, we did. Tofana was a poisoner. Tofana was a poisoner. Tofana, Tofana the giggling granny was a, a poisoner. Yeah. But this is nutty. That is so crazy. She felt no remorse. Yeah. So it's like, and she believed that she was helping society by killing all of these elderly women. Why? Uh, because she associated them with her mom. Because of the, Woof. what happened to you? Talk about mommy issues. You know, we keep going back to the same thing. So apparently there is a category of female killers called caregiving. And she was considered a caregiving. Probably along with this woman. Granny? Was it the granny? Nanny Doss. Yeah. Yeah, Nanny Doss. Um. So the giggling granny killed four out of five of her husbands. It was also suspected that she killed a few of her children and her mother. But as charming as she was on like camera, like she loved the cameras uh-huh. um, and she was very, she was super gregarious and people actually really liked her. At some point she was in the mental facility and she loved it there and everyone loved her there, which is also kind of a take on like, <laughs> she's a killer. <laughs> like, who cares if she's charming? But whenever anybody brought up her mother, she would get a serious face because like apparently she thought it was okay to be looked at as a scorned lover, but as soon as you brought up her mom or her children, she was she knew that that was something you shouldn't do. Huh. But one of the victim's brothers came forward while Nanny Doss was married to him, and he remembers walking with him and going to the grave of one of their children who had died, who had, by the way, turned like black before it had died. And from the poison? Yeah, probably. Oh. It was never like officially, but it's suspected. But the brother remembers the hus- the guy that Nanny Doss was married to saying, I'll be next. And then he was. And then he was. Wow. She was also engaged to marry another person while she was killing off her last victim right before she got caught. And he's he was like in the news being like, oh, my God, I'm so glad she didn't come out here. Wow. Yeah. So he she had already found her next victim. That's wild. But she always blamed it on... You know, like one guy in particular, I guess, went away and bought a ring and she thought that it had to be for somebody else when in reality it was probably the romantic gesture she'd always wanted. Yeah, that's and wild. She him. So I was just looking at Jane Toppin. That's who I was thinking of. But um, she was dubbed Jolly Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, she ended up in 1931. She confessed to 31 murders, but was found not guilty by reason of insanity. So she was a nurse and she started experimenting with morphine and atropine on her patients. Whoa. So she would administer a lethal dose of drugs and then sit and hold her patients until they died. Whoa. Yeah, which also maybe also would fit in like the kind of like 
you know, caregiving. Oh, 100%. You know, so that's like really interesting. So she would try to understand the inner workings of their minds. Um, and she claimed that her goal was, quote, to have killed more people, helpless people than any other man or woman who ever lived. Damn. Yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, it's really interesting, especially when you look at like, like a hot, like a hospital scenario. Yeah. And I mean, this is not a serial killer, but after Hurricane Katrina at Charity Hospital, when they lost power for so long, one of the doctors there um, actually administered lethal doses of medication to a few of the patients because they were without, they didn't think anyone was going to come rescue them and they were suffering. Oh my God. And there's been a really big... It's like Kevorkian. Yeah. There's been a big backlash against her. I think she lost her medical license, but she, you know, they were so there hard. for days and they had had, you know, their lo- different they levels of trauma. Who are they going to be able to get out of there? The backup generators had stopped going, you know, like they couldn't do anything and they were suffering. And And I think ultimately, you know, they the power came on shortly thereafter because it was a number of days before she started doing it. Yeah. But how do you know when the power is going to come back? Yeah, dude, that shit like that stuff's always weird for me. Like the I know the Kevorkian thing where it's like when people are like not living a life at all and they're in so much pain. Right. And they like consent. It's not that they want to commit suicide. It's like they're in so much pain. They're not even living. Their yeah. Life. Like what is life at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of the Vipers? No, tell me about them. Uh, so Raya and Sakina were born in one of the poorest uh, districts of Egypt. Raya is my Hebrew name. Is it? Yeah. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Uh, so at one point, they wound up moving to the city of Alexandria, and it was during the First World War. So they were extremely poor and also discriminated against because they came from a poor rural area, and they were like darker skin. But they wound up starting off their own business in prostitution and drugs. And at some point, they both got married. But because of World War One and because of the troops that were in Egypt, the business was like booming for them. So that at some point, they had like a ton of money. I guess when if you're a good prostitute, you have more bangles or thicker bangles. Okay. So at some point. When the war started to drop off and they started to have a lot less, you know, a lot less money and a lot less business, they started killing women for their bangles, it seems, and then giving them to their prostitutes so that they seemed like more upper class. I see. Um, It was said that they had like 14 to 15 women under the floorboard. Uh, oh, 17 dead girls. Wow. Yeah, because they started, uh, the neighbors started smelling smelling things emanating from Raya's house. And it eventually just became so overwhelming that they had to check. But it was also a testament to the police back when the war was happening because they weren't paying attention to what was happening actually happening in the community. And mm-hmm. so people were getting away with everything. Like at some point, Raya and Sakina were actually linked up with, the, with gang members who would protect them because like right. the police didn't care about what was happening. Wow. Yeah. But they, it's, it looks like they would – it was actually the two of them and their husbands would lure the girls in, have a glass of wine, lace it with something that would put them to sleep, and then uh, they would hold them down, strangle them, and kill them. When they did get arrested and they were bringing Sakina out of her cell the morning of December 21st, 1921, and her hands were shackled right before they were being executed, uh-huh. and the guard said to her, toughen up, be strong. And upon hearing this, Sakina turned on him and said, I am a strong woman. If I can take on a hundred, I can take on a thousand. Wow. Badass. I know, kind of. I mean, like, she's a murderer, but yeah. I was also kind of like, damn. I mean, yeah. upbringing, too. Wow. That's like Carol Bundy. 
Ooh, really? Yeah. So she uh, had an affair with this country singer, Jack Murray, but um, she met this guy, Doug Clark. So she'd been having an affair with this guy, but met Clark during this time period. So Carol Bundy and Doug Clark, and I think no relationship to the famous Bundy. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So their relationship escalated. Clark moved in with Bundy and they shared all of these dark sexual fantasies that they had. So Bundy uh, used to allow Clark to bring prostitutes into the apartment um, in order to have threesomes. Whoa. But then Clark started like having interests in an 11 year old neighbor. As we know, with a lot of different abuse scandals, a lot of times there's a woman involved who lures the girls in. Mm -hmm. So Bundy played that role. She lured this girl in to pose for photos. (gasps) Oh, I know this one. This one's terrible. Yeah, it's so bad. And Clark began telling Bundy how much he wanted to kill a girl during sex. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I saw that. I heard this on My Favorite Murder. It's terrible. Go ahead. Um, So... He then persuaded Bundy to buy some pistols to carry out this fantasy that he had. So then they went searching around for victims and they um, became known as the Sunset Strip Killers because they would find young sex workers or runaways in L.A. and then lure them into the car. Um, They would lure them in. She also had a baby with her. Oh, I didn't know she had a baby. Unless I'm thinking of the wrong one. I mean, but he would rape them after they were dead. (laughs) Are you okay? I don't know if this is the same one, but there was uh, a, a, a man and a woman who would have a baby, and so women would get in the cars with them, and there was one woman who got away, but she she lived in a box under their bed, Oh, they that would take was her recent. out and torture her. Yeah, it was like in the 70s, and she got out. Yeah, she was kidnapped and held by a sex as a sex slave by Cameron and Janice Hooker in California. Okay. From, she was there for seven years between 1977 and 1984. Yeah. Yeah. She was hitchhiking. So bad. Yes. So bad. Fucking 70s, man. Woof. Yeah. It's the 70s. Woof. And then... And then the Victorian era. And then the Victorian era (laughs) are times that we just don't... We don't want to live in those times. So, yeah. Thanks for this killer talk. (laughs) Penny for your thoughts. I was wondering when you'll die. I'm not dying anytime soon. You don't know that. We're going to talk about surplus killing, also known as excessive killing, and hen house syndrome, which is a common behavior exhibited by predators in which they kill for funsies. Yeah, just, you know, because why not? You know, one of the animals that that exhibits hen house syndrome is zooplankton. Huh? Yeah, I always thought that planktons, yeah. in general, all of the planktons were, you know, just like not dangerous in any kind of way. <laughs> you would, think but apparently, because so. <laughs> they just drift. Like that's all they do. Yeah, you would. Think they just so. drift. But apparently, zooplankton <laughs> just kills for fun. Like I didn't even know that fun was a thing that they did. Like that they even have the brain wi- matter to fucking yeah. have fun. Yeah, like what the fuck? I mean, now I'm curious. I feel like zooplankton maybe, you know, on a regular random Saturday might just like go trampolining and yeah. killing some other zooplankton. Stay tuned for our next podcast all about zooplankton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess damselfly naiads also do. Yeah. Honey badgers. I mean, honey badgers totally make sense to me. They don't give a fuck. They don't 
give a fuck. <laughs> spiders. I mean, we all know that spiders do it because they like, you know, hide. They have extra flies because sometimes what they do is they will just kill more than they can eat and they save some of them for later. Yeah. But is that for fun or is that because they're just like afraid of going hungry? Is it like pe- when people get stuff stuck in their beard? They're like, I'm saving that for later. Yeah, is that what know? the spiders are like, doing? I don't. Yeah, but I'm they're not sure. But you're not killing like a a, a, a burrito. Aren't you though? I mean, you are technically, <laughs> but not like you're not killing for sport. Yeah, I mean, I bet some spiders kill for sport. I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I still love spiders, and I don't want to talk ill of the spiders because spiders are dope. But they do strike me as killing for funsies. Yeah, spotted hyenas make sense to me. Oh yeah, Dude, hyenas are fucked up. They're Did I scary. Tell you when I saw hyenas kill something, no. Okay, so I went, was it for funsies? It looked like it was. <laughs> No, I mean, it wasn't fun for me. No, I can't imagine. But we were in Tanzania and we watched uh, hyenas take down, they took down a wildebeest and it was the most chaotic thing I've ever seen. Like you feel lucky that you can see nature, you know, in its true form. But I was also like, I had seen lions kill a water buffalo and that was way less traumatic. Hyenas are scary as fuck. Dude, they literally like there's, and, and they all come, they they honestly travel alone, but they come together to kill at the same time. So there was like a pack of like 20 rabid dogs no, and they're uh-uh. all tearing at this animal who, that's still alive. Aww. And you can hear the animal screaming and the fucking hyenas are literally laughing. Yeah. I, it was the people in the, it was so funny in the whole vehicle. Like one person's recording, one person's like, oh my God, this is crazy. One person's like, this is amazing. There's a girl in the back of me crying. Yeah. And that would have been me. There's a video of me going, huh? <laughs> I think I have a couple of those videos. <laughs> anyway, apparently some animals kill for funsies and so do people. Yeah. There was over several days, a single fox once killed 74 penguins and ate basically none of it. Oh my God. Just was like, fuck you, penguins. Bye. Rabies? I I don't know. Or funsies. Funsies. Lord. A leopard in South Africa killed 51 sheep and lambs in a single incident. So busy. Oh my God. Do you think oh my they God. take like tokens? Probably. Ew, up to 19 spotted hyenas once killed 82 Thompson gazelle and badly injured 27, eating just 16%. Jesus Christ. Why? I don't know. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. (laughs) You can find us on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. On Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. Soon to be on Medium. You can donate to us at Patreon, LiberaPay, PayPal, and uh, Venmo at Welcome to My Vagina. Yeah, become a monthly subscriber. Yeah. Yeah, go to WelcomeToMyVagina.com and become a subscriber to our newsletter as well. You can email us at WelcomeToMyVagina at gmail.com. We like questions and fan art and jingles. And suggestions for future episodes. True. Check out Jesse's awesome videos at on YouTube. Just search for Welcome to My Vagina. Check out Rebecca's awesome writing at franklyrebecca.com. Please also remember that our amazing intro song was done by Wooly Willie. Please check him out on Instagram and pay him money to make you an amazing jingle. Uh, you can find him at Wooly Willie. W-O-O-L-L-Y-W-I-L-L-I-E. And head on over to morebanana.com to check out all of the awesome projects by our production company. Yeah. And thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate, for being our amazing, dope-ass fucking producer. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) 